no, no. 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 This guy's too excited about it. This is crazy. What? I've never had that happen. That's Thank you, you Miss. For they love you. That's a first. I've never had that. They yelled your name. They love you. Yeah, Dave, go fuck yourself for like the 850th time. Wow. For the Terminator bit that That's we can't really... kill. It's just your name, bro. And he's just texting. This is who this man is. This is who you followed with the Gary name. He's timing it. He's timing the show. Yeah, come on, guys. Let's take our goddamn seats. What the hell? Um, Hello. You just, you have, you ask one thing, for everybody to stay seated for an hour and 40 minutes and to not move. And people are like, well, we got to listen to our bodies. No, you don't. Okay? Ignore your bodies. It's my first time. Hi, New York. What? It's great to be here. I've never been here. What a great place. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Um, Want to just do the five ads and then we'll start? <laughs> You're listening to the dollop. This is a bilingual American history podcast. Each week, in both Spanish and Czechoslovakian, I read a story from American history to my friend. Nyat compadre is Gareth Reynolds. What? Just holding up my end of the deal, asshole. Do you want to uh, announce any tour dates you got coming up? Or uh, I have them? a bunch of uh, stand-up dates I'll be doing. You can go to GarethReynolds.com <laughs> and see those. And um, Are you laughing because I don't know them by heart? 100%. I'm 100% quite a high bar to set. Uh, I'll be all over the place. You can go find out. GarethReynolds.com. I'll be everywhere. GarethReynolds.com. We're ready for you to go okay. there for information. Uh, these are the cities that we can announce we'll be going to in November. Stockholm, uh, Oslo. Was it Oslo? Oslo. 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 There you go. Amsterdam. We're off to Oslo start. <laughs> oh. Mm. Amsterdam, Glasgow, uh, Manchester, London. These are not in America, by Birmingham, the way. Birmingham, Cardiff, and Dublin, and hopefully Copenhagen. Um, and now bring up, bring up your friend. Uh, well, we have a very uh, great guest. This is a guy I uh, met when I was first here for a gig doing stand-up, and he was like the funniest guy I'd seen uh, in the clubs in New York. He's got a podcast called Flagrant 2. He's my buddy. Give it up for Akash Singh. He's got a dynamite and a dynamite top in my dad's jacket. I would never. From 88. Yep, that's a hot, that's a hot jacket. Thank you, buddy. People can see you coming. Thank you. March 28th, 1825. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Wait, see, you, you know, that is like, you know, I mean, that's not good. Anything around this time is not good. Are any of these stories good? No, no, no. No, they're not. But yeah, these are exceptionally been... like... Truck yeah. Nuts was good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although those guys almost killed each other, so that wasn't that great. This has been one. Oh, uh, Robert Smalls. Yeah, that was another good one. Whitmore, Whitmore was Whitmore. good. What? Okay, well, we're, we're talking about well, a one. there's some good ones. 
But mostly you want to die afterwards. No, yeah. Tank, yeah, that's right. The tank, yeah, real feel-good episode. This dude stole a tank and they killed him. Anyway. uh... (laughs) That's that guy's version of a feel-good story. Yeah. It's about a guy who took meth and then stole a tank and died. Yeah. That's great. That's very up. It's very uplifting. Yeah. Frederick Henriette August Weisner was what? born in Castle, Germany. That's too many names, right? Yeah. yeah. And also Castle, Germany. That's yeah. a little boast. I mean, it's... It's just von Big Castle. <laughs> what else is it? Nothing. <laughs> if you leave the castle, you left the town. Now, are we talking male or female? It's a lady. Okay. What? <laughs> oh, man, buckle up, bud. <laughs> Took a long night. <laughs> That's just a very dudish name, I think. <laughs> it's in Castle. They do it different there. All right, fair enough. Uh, she was the third of seven children. Sure. One, one died, so that's pretty good for them. That's not bad. Not no, bad. That's a hot ratio for back then. You're killing Yo. it. No, you're bragging about it. Yeah. yeah, no, just the six. Vaughn passed. It's like, whatever. <laughs> you kept 86% of your kids back then. That's solid. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, th- they were a Jewish family. Uh, Frederica grew Ooh. and grew and grew. And when she reached adulthood, she was six feet tall and around 250 pounds. Okay. I so- told you it was a mannish name. <laughs> This, this bitch is Brianna Tarth. It's a, it's a Game, it's of, Game Thrones of Thrones reference. Oh, yeah. yeah. As, as the Starbucks show, right? <laughs> Where everyone so, watched it for a long time, and then they just were like, fuck you guys. <laughs> we drink Starbucks. So she'd be big for now, but back then everyone was tiny, so she's like a fucking Yeti. Like, she's right. like... Right. Uh, so in 1848, she married Wolf Mandelbaum. Wolf Man? Only guy that can handle this girl. Oh, yeah. This is Wolf Mandelbaum. <laughs> I'm the Wolf Mandelbaum. How are you? I'm an accountant, actually. Uh, <laughs> uh, he was a peddler. He bought livestock, grain, vegetables from the country, and then he brought them into the city to resell. Okay. Which people looked down on. That was not a respectable job. Sure. Uh, they didn't make a lot of money. Uh, so four months after they were married, Farika had their first child, Bertha. Well, what kind of name list are they checking off here? They're like, I mean, we're this- going to be the funniest family of all time. <laughs> That's our goal. This is Wolfman, Dolbaum. But Bertha's a big girl's name, so they knew. Yeah. Like, they're like, you know, we're not making anybody petite. Right, right. Yeah. We need a name that fits. <laughs> uh, they nicknamed her Bessie. She- what is going on? What are they doing? <laughs> what? So things at this time are not great in Germany. Uh, there had been a potato blight in 1840. Oh, the great potato blight? <laughs> One of the many potato blights. Poor people were starving. There were hunger riots and rebellions against the government. And for the mental bombs, even worse, because growing anti-Semitism. Christian merchants passed laws that Anybody limited... Anybody surprised? <laughs> <laughs> Christian merchants passed laws that limited the job Jews could work at and what they could sell. Okay. Okay. So, in 1850... Oh, people hate Jews always. What is that? I'm the only one one who's like, God damn, that keeps happening, huh? (laughs) I can't be the only one who thought that. I've never thought about that before, actually. (laughs) 
Yeah, it's like black in fashion. It's like, like, my, it's it's like my jacket. It just goes and comes back in fashion every couple of decades. There's a lot of stuff I didn't say right there. There's a lot. The whole Rolodex of shit that what did not come out of my mouth. Uh-huh. In 1850, the metal bombs left for America. Wolf sailed first. Frederica and baby Bessie came two months later. So they're below deck. She had to... So there's no room. They, they, it's the cheapest ticket you can get. So the below deck, she had to move through a passageway that was seven feet long, or sorry, it's not a passageway, it's just the area where they are. Seven feet long, two feet wide, and six feet high. Oh, shit. So literally her measurement. <laughs> this, is, this is a joke, isn't it? What am I on? This is a nightmare. She's like moving the boat backwards. What's happening? How is she, what's happening? I can't steer. I'm trying to take a piss. I can't. Um, there's also no ventilation and uh, poor waste disposal, as we say. That's a great combo. Yeah. That's a perfect combination. So there are frequent outbreaks of typhus, cholera, dysentery. Uh, so like today's cruise ships, no different. <laughs> no different than what we do now. Uh, so they made it to New York, were reunited with Wolf, and eventually they moved into a, into a tenement at 383 8th Street in Little Germany in what is now the East Village. Well, that's, that's what we call minor enthusiasm. Uh, <laughs> that's what that would be diagnosed as. Because everybody goes, I live Wee. there and I pay rent there. Yeah. <laughs> I've walked there. Uh, so they had a single dark room, no windows. Awesome. That's about what it's like now. In yeah, New York. That's, <laughs> that's about, what, 2500 a month <laughs> yeah, right yeah, now? yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, it was a six-story building that was built to house 10 families, but there were 20 families or more living in the building. In the area, 15 people squeezed into tenement apartments, measuring about 325 square feet. Oh. Some lived in the dirt floor basement of the building. So they have no window, no light, no plumbing, no heating, just a stove. Well, that's cool. <laughs> What's the real estate guy like? He's like, so this place, you're going to love this. It's got all natural dirt floors. You can see we've taken all the windows out of here, so it's just that. It's all candlelight. Uh, there's no heating. There's no restroom. Um, but a stove, a two-burner. So you can, uh, you can ch- choke to death from yeah. the... Uh... It's a place to put your head when you want to go bye-bye, uh, which will be very shortly after you sign this lease. Uh... <laughs> So uh, <laughs> toilets, are, toilets are outside. Water for cooking and bathing had to be hauled up in buckets. Uh, so immigrants are flowing into New York because everyone's like, I got to have a piece of that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everything about, about how much other countries suck that they're like, I need that. Yeah. <laughs> I got to get out of Castle. <laughs> <laughs> uh, their neighborhood was rat-infested, crime-ridden. Garbage was just tossed into the street from windows. New York Times, quote, boxes of garbage were tossed out on the street, uh, composed of potato peelings, oyster shells, night soil. That's shit. Uh, night soil? Night soil. That's oh, a... I made some night soil. <laughs> That's a great one. That's up there. Uh, 
They did have potatoes, though, so, you know, at least they got that. That's a win. (laughs) Sure, yeah. That's That's why they came. Yeah, no, it's like the Martian. (laughs) They just throw potatoes out in the street. (laughs) No, no, potato peelings. (laughs) Not whole potatoes. They got potatoes to eat, though, so there you go. Yeah, okay. All right. So, potato peelings, oyster shells, night soil, rancid butter, dead dogs, and dead cats. Uh, What's happening at the end of this list? (laughs) How'd it get worse than night soil? (laughs) Dead dogs, dead cats. (laughs) One festering, rotting, loathsome, hellish mass of air poisoning, death breeding filth, reeking in the fierce sunshine. So, that's Uh. a nice. It's a good. The New York Times now has the right. That's just Chinatown, guys. What is everybody talking about? This is a big deal. Uh, uh, the half-starved immigrants were a lot of them wore rags. So the Mandelbaums were lucky to have a room of their own. Uh, but overcrowded, unsanitary conditions led to many epidemics for poor immigrants. 65 immigrant children died to every eight non-immigrant children. Wow. Uh, so they're fucking killing it. If they're <laughs> Literally, yeah. Yeah. Uh, 75% of children under two died each year. Wow. Oh, shit. Jesus. Uh, Middle class and upper class New Yorkers blamed immigrants for bringing disease. Tuberculosis became known as the Jewish disease. I told you. Everywhere. (laughs) Y'all act like I'm crazy. (laughs) I like how it's your redemption story. (laughs) The Jews were persecuted persecuted further. What did I tell you? (laughs) I won. I won the podcast. (laughs) Uh, One of the children who died was Bessie Oh So we never get to see how big she was going to get Oh, that's a damn shame WNBA lost a star No, no I mean, that's Okay I was invested in the future of this one, so Yeah Uh, So Frederica and Wolf worked as peddlers Selling everything from rags to broken timepieces To scraps of silk so business had to be really good. Oh, it's broken. All right, I'm listening. <laughs> I like what I hear so far. Why do these guys pedal everywhere? They have no discernible talent whatsoever. They're just pedaling no, just yeah, across rag continents. Rag around selling shit. Right, fair enough. Uh, they couldn't afford a horse and cart, so Frederica hauled the goods on her back. Jesus. And <laughs> That's what she sh- built for, guys. <laughs> yeah. And she'd walk the crowded streets. They were unpaved, muddy, and littered with garbage. Some peddlers used gimmicks to attract attention, well, like blowing, blowing bugles. What a great gimmick. <laughs> I think a prince is about to walk in. <laughs> it's a rag. Oh, well, I'm over here. Yeah, I'll buy one. Yeah. I could use a rag. Arranging pieces of fruit in precarious octagons. <laughs> I mean, that's what you do when you're on acid. <laughs> I'm going to just put this fruit in a nice little octagon. What, what are you doing there? Selling broken watches. <laughs> yes, please. And dressing their horses in trousers. Oh, well, right. Now I'm over there buying whatever they're selling. If I could pet it, just sell pets. They probably just use one of Frederica's regular pants, and they're like, I throw that on the horse. <laughs> we got extras. <laughs> uh, I'm just trying to... Picture a horse in trousers? Yeah, because the horse is going <laughs> to question. The horse is going to shit and take a pee. Now like. make night soil. Be cute about it. Uh, <laughs> but also, this is my question. Do you put pants on the front legs, too? No, no, Fuck no. yeah, no, you no. do. No, no. You treat it like a yeah, human no. body? Yeah, then yeah. it's just... Yeah. Then it's legs. like a onesie. You got to have the pant look. You know what I mean? Nice yeah. belt around the waist. 
<laughs> right. The, so then you got to put a shirt on. Yeah. 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 yeah front's got a shirt. Nice billowy. Yeah. Uh, so they didn't, the, the metal bombs didn't have to do any of that because Frederica was huge. So she stood out and attracted attention. There was no putting pants <laughs> people, on horses. Or, right. People were just like, look, look at the giant. There's a Yeti. There's a horse with pants on. Look at her. Let's go over there. <laughs> <laughs> look at this fruit. You're an idiot. I don't know what your angle is. I put the fruit in a funny octagon. Buddy, no. <laughs> it's your uh, angle. Do you sell fruit? No. <laughs> what are you doing? I don't know. Want a broken watch? <laughs> uh, so they worked 14-hour days and made Oof. around $6 a week. Ugh. But they loved fucking because soon they had four kids to feed. <laughs> two boys, two girls. Okay. Uh, so Frederica was described as having the eyes of a sparrow, the neck of a bear, and fat, florid cheeks. Jesus. Brutal. It's quite a description. Surely not by a friend. <laughs> She's got some of those real sparrowy eyes, you know what I'm talking about? What? She's got bird eyes. Big ass neck. Yeah, the big neck, though. You're a big lady with little tiny, tiny bird eyes. Got baby bird eyes. <laughs> she was homely and kept her black hair tightly rolled back. She spoke only when she had to. Her favorite saying, directly mostly at herself, was, quote, it takes brains to be a real lady. Oh, my God. <laughs> Hard times came in 1857 as there was the usual capitalism collapse. Oh, boy. Banks and investors overinvested and took too many risks. Can you imagine? No. <laughs> what a weird time. So I'm glad we fixed all that, though. Well, that's what I think when I hear about, like, outhouses outside and windowless rooms. It is like, well, we're coming back. We are headed right towards it. Yeah, uh, The banks failed, businesses closed, tens of thousands lost their jobs. <sighs> Hungry children sold slivers of coal and old pieces of rope on the streets. What are people buying? I don't understand. <laughs> I don't know if they know the marketplace very well. <laughs> I'm actually going to go with the rag stuff. Uh, now that I see what you're selling. Bit of rope. No. Um, Would you like to start a tiny, tiny fire? Tiny what? It's a sliver of coal. Yeah, no, I don't need that. I have a job, you little boy. Get out of here. Uh, many became pickpockets. Parents permitted or encouraged it because they were desperate. People turned to picking through garbage, scavenging, shoplifting, and robbery. Well, after hearing what their garbage is, surely there's some good stuff in there. <laughs> like, oh, look, a dead cat. Awesome. We should, let's arrange this fruit funny and we'll try to sell it. Daddy, I found night soil. Oh, no, 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 no. Junior, 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 junior. How much is this worth? No, no, not much. No, 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 don't eat it. No. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It had cat fur in it, so I'm worried. Uh, so Frederica started building relationships with these, this horde of aimless children who are petty thieves, and they're looking to get rid of their stolen loot. So they steal stuff, and she's like, oh, I'll buy it. And That's I'll solid. Okay. She'd buy what they stole, resell it. Frederica quickly became known on the streets as a middleman, or what we call a fence. Okay. I like this. She's a good businesswoman. Uh, she was street smart. Her business grew and grew. Word got out that she was the middleman to go to if you had something to sell or you wanted some cheap stolen goods. She okay. dealt in everything, diamonds, furniture, paintings, silverware, and gold. But her specialty became silk. 
She bought the finest silk bolts stolen from the best businesses on the East Coast, and she paid her criminals 20% of value. Soon she had a huge network. Okay. This is great. So she's created, a, like, she's a union at this point. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, soon they had What's Wolf money? Mandelbaum doing now? He's like, Han, <laughs> what about the rags? <laughs> what are you doing? You hang out with those kids a lot. Uh, so in 1865, she had enough money to move them into a building uh, in the 13th Ward, now the Lower East Side. It was three stories. They lived on the top two floors, and on the bottom floor, they opened a dry goods store, which looks like a trip- typical dry goods store full of dry things. Yeah. <laughs> not the wet stuff that no, you no, see no. at the gross. Not, no. Yeah, it's not that kind. No, if, they, if you get gravy in there, the whole store is ruined. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the real action was happening in back. Uh, this was the first time Frederica had a base for a fencing operation. And criminals would enter through a side door, go into a secret part of the store, and do their business. She had a chimney built in the middle of the store with a false back, which hit a dumbwaiter with a secret lever. Wait, there's a lot of terms getting thrown around. <laughs> She's got a secret chimney with a dumbwaiter and a lazy Susan inside of the dumbwaiter. What's a dumbwaiter? It's, it's just an idiot waiter. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's like how it's called a dumb waiter because it's a dumb system, but it's how you like get like dishes from like the base, like oh, from one floor the, to another. Oh. Yeah, so you put it up there. But cool. she's got you've a dumb waiter and a secret you've chimney. You've seen a movie, someone's trying to get away from someone yeah, and they yeah, crawl yeah. the dumb waiter and yeah. they go yeah. up and they're stabbing and they don't get it. And then they, this is a very specific scene you're talking about <laughs> in this <laughs> movie and that I'm they, not sure exists. <laughs> and then they he got cut stabbed the in the dumb waiter. And then they huh? go down to the basement and that's where the ghost is. What? <laughs> <laughs> I think he's pitching a movie he wrote. I really do. <laughs> Dumb waiter ghost basement. You say it now, but wait till that movie's fucking uh, bringing it to <laughs> Without question, it will hit. Um, so, uh, so that's where we, she would quickly hide shit if anybody came in and she was worried. She'd throw it in the dumb waiter and Donald would go. Okay. Um, Wolf didn't have really anything to do with the business. Oh. The New York City police chief called him, quote, a non entity. <laughs> oh, it's better to be called a criminal. He's a nothing. He's not a wolf man either. I mean, you can he's shoot him with regular this whole bullets. Time. He couldn't even carry the goods on his back. Like, no, this guy's no, useless. Just... <laughs> can you imagine a world where you let your wife carry the goods on her back? <laughs> like, no, nah, you got that. You and the horse, you guys to handle that. I'm going to put some pants on the horse yeah. while you carry all that shit. Hon. I'm just building shitty octagons here. You guys carry everything for now, me. Look, I great. made a, a stop sign out of Kiwi. What do you think of that? <laughs> Ready? Who's your wolf man? <laughs> She's so distant lately. Uh, Sophia Lyons, who you may remember from Dollop 355, uh, from Detroit. Uh, she, was, she said he was, quote, rather weak-willed for his calling, lazy and afflicted with chronic dyspepsia. Dyspepsia, which uh, indigestion. Why is he getting? Why? I mean, I understand he's not. I understand he's a nothing, a non-entity. But why so much? Uh... He sounds like a sad sack. Like he sounds like a. He made this noise a lot. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, this guy all right. sucks. Now this that I hear this, building a criminal empire, most conspicuous person in the whole fucking city. <laughs> and he's just moping. Yeah. I'm gonna go kick rocks for a while. <laughs> How come we have a dumb waiter and no restaurant? <laughs> baby, baby, baby. <laughs> right, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have. Sorry. 
You're right. We have money, and that's what I should. That's what you should focus on. Yeah. I'm gonna go feed the birds. Good. Be back by supper. That's not the door that goes outside. Oh, sorry. Bye. That's my wolf exterior. Back in for supper. How can we have a dumb waiter in no restaurant? It's so fucking funny. (laughs) All right, so like they said, they had four kids. She was a loving mother, doted on her kids. Uh, even though she was the head of a criminal network, she always made sure never to miss a school recital. <laughs> She'd cancel business deals uh, if one of her kids was sick because the sudden death of Bessie had made her overprotective and fawning. She's very close with her kids. Didn't let them out of her sight for long. Uh, she was taught the ropes by successful fences like General Abe Greenthal, Joe Irick, and Ephraim Snow. She paid them uh, for their knowledge. The biggest thing she learned was to bribe the cops and politicians and to be fair to the criminals and only buy what you knew you could sell. That's a pretty good list. Dude. Yeah. Bri- yeah. <laughs> Bribing's always been good. Yeah. That's like the Ten Crack Commandments of the 1800s right there. <laughs> <laughs> Soon she wasn't just working with people on the Lower East Side. She started selling to rich people. George Redinger, uh, who was a richest fuck owner of the Passaic Hotel in New Jersey, bought stolen goods from Frederica all the time. He bought silverware, tablecloths, blankets, and more for his hotel at half the price it would have cost him from legitimate retailers. Okay. It's so weird that rich people would... Yeah, it's weird, because they're not like that now. They're not. Yeah. <laughs> they're not. They're They're good. cool now. Yeah. Yeah. I actually attributed it more to Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting angle. He's right. Uh, uh, so she did the show in Brooklyn. You had to come over here. There's a reason nobody's going to Jersey. <laughs> I live there. It sucks. <laughs> I should know. Uh, so she's a job provider, uh, but she never got her hands dirty. Instead of building. An inner circle of, uh, instead, she built an inner circle of burglars, pickpockets, and robbers. She had thieves who brought in goods, uh, skilled artisans, and uh, jewelry was melted down, and silver and diamonds reset, other precious stones, carriage drivers to help with getaways, clerks who ran the store. So, this is People now. Moving. Yeah, she's she's got a business. Illness. This is now, yeah, this is now crazy. Yeah. Right. She's Fred- Walter White now. She's yes! like, we're moving. Yes! Units, totally. our buddy. Yeah. Gareth has a very funny bit where he does voicemails of Frank. How do you say his name? Frankie Muniz? No. That's not how you say it. Frankie Muniz. Frankie Muniz. No. I just told you. Frankie Muniz. Frankie Muniz. (laughs) Calling Brian Cranston and pitching new shows to him. It's a really funny bit that he just falls into character with sometimes. That's why why he looked at me when he said Breaking Bad. Okay, sorry. It's a great okay. I thought he would do one, but I'm just still here no, talking like No, I will an idiot, not. So I'll leave you hanging out to dry. You're yeah, in the dry goods yeah. store. <laughs> yeah. No. No, miss. Not. No. No. Hey, Brian. Frankie again. Um, that's just how they all start. That's enough. Shut the fuck up! 
What's happening? There's a lot of energy out there. Akash got booed and cheered in like four minutes. I stand by what I said earlier. Do not. No, my girl is beautiful and brilliant, but she's never like, the brains is what makes me a lady. That's not, you know, it's just... No, 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 no. Uh, you guys are just booing. You don't, you're not even listening. All right. Brooklyn. But buddy, let's go back to Jersey. These people don't know shit. <laughs> turning into a uh, New York comedy club situation. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very comfortable there. So, Frederica became a mentor to aspiring criminals. She trained women to be criminals right alongside men. Her pro- <laughs> I don't know how I did this, but a riot's going to break out. Her, pro- her protégés called her Marm, which is short for mother, because she it's was... It's actually longer than mother. <laughs> Marm. Mom's short for mother, and that's really short. It's shorter. I've read. Uh, it's because she was a mother figure and she watched over them and she protected them uh, while nurturing their criminal careers. Quote, they called me Ma because I give them money and horses and diamonds. Just like Marm used to do. <laughs> right? Here's your horse and your diamonds. Thanks, Marm. Where should I go? I don't know. I'm a criminal. I don't have... Uh, Marm called all of her protégés her little chicks. Sure. Sure. Uh, men and women. She just called them little chicks. The newspapers started calling her Marm Mandelbaum or Mother Mandelbaum. Marm became very wealthy. In turn, she re- reinvested in her business with bribes to hire authorities. Uh, she paid off corrupt Tammany Hall and bribed authorities to look the other way. Tammany Hall would just put in a word, and a case would vanish from the court docket. Marm brought tenements and several warehouses to house all the stolen goods. Jesus Christ. Her business expanded out to Trenton and Newark. What? She's like Ikea. <laughs> this is bananas. People are just like, what are you opening it for? She's like, well, just another soccer tournament. <laughs> Soon she was getting goods, stolen goods from all over the East Coast. After the Chicago fire of 1871, looted goods poured in, and she resold them for a sizable profit. That's amazing that during the Chicago fires, people are like, it's actually a great time to be in Chicago. Uh, it's a great time to be an entrepreneur. Most of the stolen goods from the Chicago fire went through her. Quote, following the great Chicago fire, someone showed up at her haberdashery shop with a herd of goats they'd stolen during the fire. That is quite a journey for stolen goats. Yeah. Those, those goats are like, please, say, please take us. This is a nightmare. Kill me. We are goats. She took them and sold them. Upstairs above the dry goods store, her home was lavish. The dining room had cut glass chandeliers. More than 60 guests fit comfortably at two mahogany tables with matching chairs. The tables were covered in linen tablecloths and... Uh, and lit with golden candelabras, the room had plush carpet, embroidered silk drapes, upholstered couches, ornate fireplace, and bookcase, carved bookcases. Uh, she hosted big dinner parties. She would hit at the, sit at the head no of the table. You have no idea what Wolf is doing, huh? Yeah, uh, Wolf, he's just, meanwhile... He's a non-entity. He's, he's writing a musical in the basement. He's like, <laughs> It'll show her. It's all about a man who's a wolf. <laughs> and neglected. 
Marm would sit at the head of the table uh, on an embroidered... By the way, of course. Who the fuck else? (laughs) Wolf's going to sit there? I don't... I don't know what to do. Just serve the food, Wolf. I can't. I'm sad again. Oh, God damn it. You still love me, right, Marm? You don't call me Marm. I told you this. It's fucking weird. <laughs> what you She's want me to call like, you? She's putting, like, fruit arrangements and heart shapes on the bed. She's like, that's going to go through the duvet. <laughs> I messed up again. No, you did good, Wolf. You did great. <sighs> Jesus Christ. Get a hobby or something. Did you say get a hobby under your breath? No, I was talking to myself. (laughs) Sad wolf. (laughs) There they go. Uh, So she would sit on an embroidered cushion bench because she was too large to... Sit in the chair. <laughs> and next to her sat her husband, Wolf. Wow. He's like, mm. we're both in charge. Yeah. <laughs> My little man's not playing dress up. I'm a big boy. You sure are, Wolf. My feet don't touch the ground. Don't tell people that. That's not what we, we told you. We're not going to tell people that. I'm like a kid on The Tonight Show. Wolf. <laughs> kid on The Tonight Show. Uh, Julia sat next to them. He was now part of the business. That's their son, Julius. Okay. Uh, at the dinner party were judges, cops, businessmen, politicians, and all her criminals. They would all mingle together. Criminal Piano Charlie entertained her guests on the grand piano. Well, of course. Yeah, what if he was a drummer? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why they call me that. <laughs> piano Charlie was one of Marm's favorites. He came from a wealthy family and was a classically trained pianist. He had squandered all of his inheritance on booze, women, and gambling, and then turned to crime. And he became an expert safecracker. With help from Marm, Piano Charlie pulled off a string of successful bank and train robberies, including $100,000 from the Hudson River Railway Express. <laughs> I don't think his nickname's doing him justice. Just, he's so much more. <laughs> it's for Billy Joel. <laughs> In 1869, Charlie was caught and arrested by Pinkerton detectives. The worst back then, the worst now. They've never stopped. He and an accomplice were being held in the White Plains jail. Uh, His attorney... I don't know if Yeah, really? It's where I'm from. Uh, It looked like her attorneys uh, couldn't get him off and his accomplices... So Marm came up with a plan. She got together several of her crew and rented an office space in the building next door to the jail. Oh, my God. She's the she fucking is Walter greatest. White. Dude. That is crazy. She is the one who knocks. Is this going to be Magna? <laughs> <laughs> they bribed some prison guards to look the other way and then dug through the wall of the office into the White Plains jail. What? This is so dope. What? The men escaped. And She's shawshanking them? <laughs> What's and behind that Betty Page poster? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> they escaped in a awaiting carriage, and Marm held a celebration party, and Piano Charlie entertained the guests. Yeah, he better. Yeah. The idea that your getaway car is a carriage? <laughs> Go! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
We're going to chase him. This will be a few days of this. It'll be... Uh, Mary had two attorneys, William Howe and Abraham Hummel, on retainer at all times. They, she paid him 5000 bucks a year. If any of her criminals got into trouble, she would send the lawyers to help. Howe and Hummel made a fortune defending New York's most infamous criminals. They were so well-known that a common toast in Tavers was, Here's Howe, and there's Hummel. <laughs> now I don't like New York City criminals anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Not the golden age of slogans. <laughs> so this was a time of horrendous inequality, if you guys can imagine that. Wait, it, this is an American podcast, I thought. In this country? <laughs> what, was there super rich and then a bunch of poors? <laughs> uh, yeah. Imagine. This happened especially after the Civil War, because there was a lot of war profiteering. The majority of New Yorkers lived in dire poverty, with, uh, but with industrialization, there was a super rich, such as Mar- Mamie Fish, Mammy? Mammy Fish, wife of a railroad magnate, uh, magnate who okay, held the dinner. Makes, yeah, it's like, not going what? good. <laughs> <laughs> the train's moving. <laughs> Early American X-Men. <laughs> I'm the train magnate. <laughs> <laughs> I'll start, that. Ah! start that sentence again. Mamie. Mammy? Is it Mammy? Is that the name? Is Mamie? Let's go with Mamie. It's a little Mamie. less tense. Yeah. <laughs> Mammy Fish, wife of railroad magnate, held a dinner party to honor her dog. To honor her... Dog is doing more than wolf. <laughs> At which she gave the dog a $15,000 diamond collar. This That's is just... No, no. This is becoming... No. It's like today. It is. This like is... A, what's his name? The treasury guy? Mnuchin. Mnuchin. His yeah. dad just bought a... Nine, well... Nine, calm the fuck down. Yes, his we all agree. His dad just bought a $90 million piece of art. It's a fucking... $90 million piece of art? Art. It's like a, it's like a three-foot statue. But won't it be fun to drink wine from his skull? <laughs> Like, it's all just part of the build-up to when we're, <laughs> we're there. Like, it was worth it. <laughs> mm. Mm. So she's paying $15,000 for a dog collar. At the time, about three-quarters of the country's population earned less than $1,200 a year. The Gilded Age in America brought a whole new level of disparity between the incredibly rich and pathetically poor in the U.S. Marm and her crew mostly stole from the rich and powerful. Banks, mansions, fancy restaurants, jewelry stores, the poor basically cheered whenever they heard of another robbery. Marm took things a step further and set up the Bureau for the Protection of Criminals. Wow, what? (laughs) Oh... That's bold. That's bold policymaking. It was a fund that provided bail money and legal representation for criminals. That's amazing. She also established a crime school on Grand Street. That's so good. What? what? Were there... <laughs> Who's in charge of everything right now? Because they're really not doing what they're supposed to. Crime school. Yeah, give me the stamp. Yeah, let's do that. What's the worst that could happen? It was actually right near police headquarters. 
I feel like she's doing this on purpose. Like, fuck you. Yeah. I really do. Yeah. I feel like she's doing it like, fuck you. I'm going to put it right next to the cops. Watch how untouchable I am. Yeah. We're calling ourselves the police department. <laughs> now, Marm. Uh, young men, women, and children enrolled. It was one of the first co-educational schools of the 19th God century. God damn it. <laughs> checking a lot of boxes. <laughs> Uh, professional pickpockets and thieves taught their skills to new students. The what is going on? This feels... It's like the Harry Potter of criminals. <laughs> How do you grade pickpocketing? <laughs> What's like a C-minus pickpocket? I felt you. I felt it. <laughs> okay, I felt right, it. Enough. I knew you were going for my watch. <laughs> all right, so. fair enough. Midterms are almost here, guys. If we're going to do this right, let's really <laughs> get those fingers sticky. Come on, guys. Uh, the young ones started off learning about smaller crimes like pickpocketing and petty theft. If they had the skills, they would advance and graduate up into other more important crimes like outright robberies and scams. Outright robberies. Okay. That's awesome. So it's like AP. <laughs> That's right. I'm going to scams. What you got next? Outright robbery? Okay. Right. I flunked it. I got to go back to Grifton. <laughs> I shot myself. Yeah, I don't think you're allowed to be here anymore. I had the gun the wrong way, and I was like, bang! <laughs> That's why my nickname's Half Charlie. Uh, but I took my own wallet. <laughs> Not a total loss. Fail. Uh, other higher-level subjects included safe cracking, blackmail, and burglary. And it's just nobody knows about this, or...? How is what this? is the class on blackmail? It's not that hard. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to know how to set it up and <laughs> how to take the money without... <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, the best students got to work with Marm herself. They just had to agree to sell everything they stole to her and no one else. She trained women so shoplifters to work in pairs. It's like UCB. <laughs> 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 one was <laughs> uh, except they got paid more. The same to me. One <laughs> guys, I take shots. Sometimes I miss. Sometimes I hit. I don't know. This is, what it is. How, this is how it's gonna go. Uh, one was a lookout while the other stuffed goods into a large pockets concealed under her dress. Pickpockets worked in pairs too. One would sell it. Tell a sad story to a, a stranger while the other one stole his wallet. So, in other <laughs> words, eventually you were like, I won't listen to sad stories anymore. Get robbed every That's time. Right. Fuck you. Mr. I need your help. No, not falling for that one. <laughs> one of Marm's greatest students was Sophia Lyons, who I said, who became known as the princess of crime. Marm was known as the queen of fences. Her willingness to train and employ women in her crime ring created opportunities for women that were not available elsewhere. Despite her being a, uh, despite her uh, running a criminal ring, she is credited with being one of the first feminists because she was able to get women jobs in which they made more money and were able to use their skills in better ways than they did working in factories or as maids. You're cheering being criminals. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. okay. Fully than... aware. <laughs> it's way more fun than coding. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. 
You know what I mean? Uh, uh, but Marm did not have sympathy for the wives of criminals uh, who died and came asking for money. Interesting ring. Well, boy. she got a whole school that could teach them everything they need to know. Yeah. Well, that's what she thought. Yeah. She thought they should get out and work and complain that most women were, quote, wasting life being housekeepers. And not criminals. She is living in another era. <laughs> she's all over the map. <laughs> yeah, she's like raising a family while being a master criminal. She's like, everyone should do yeah, this. Yeah, but also she's married to Wolf <laughs> Mandelbaum. Yeah. He's just laying there. <laughs> He's 28. I uh, used to be a man. Wolf, Wolf, you're going one again in your pants. Oh. <laughs> uh. Carry me around on your back. Oh How's your garden? Not good. <laughs> I got him all these seeds. I thought it would give him something to... He tried to plant pumpkins. I don't I know. ate them. You ate the seeds alone by themselves? Yeah. I Did you read the directions? I wanted to see if I could make tomatoes. Yeah, you plant them. That's what the package said. Did you read the package of the but tomato if, seeds, Wolf? If, I'm, if I eat them, then they come out. Okay. All right. Well, I'm going to go sleep in the other bedroom. Um, I mean, the office. Sorry, the office. <laughs> okay, I'm going to masturbate. That's good, Wolf. There's a full moon if you want to check it out. Or... No, just stay there. Write in your little diary. <laughs> now, Mary turned her focus to a new venture, bank robberies. She now started putting groups of robbers together, and she'd front them around 30000 to buy tools, pay off bribes, and hire getaway carriages and do other stuff. The robberies were meticulously planned getaway out, carriages. sometimes for months. One of her star bank robbers was George Leslie. He'd never committed a robbery before he came to Marm. He had been an architect in Cincinnati. <laughs> what? That sounds like a fine career. Well, he was like, yeah, but now I don't want to... I want to have a gun. I really do. <laughs> it's like a fantasy camp. Well, his wealthy... The Civil War came along, and his wealthy father paid $300 to buy his way out of the Civil War. And Why didn't then, he just say bone spurs? <laughs> <laughs> that work? No, still the best. Is, the best is anal cyst. The what? Rush Limbaugh, anal cyst. It's still the best. <laughs> He's, Still the best. Wait, that's news to me. Yeah. He said what? Anal what? Anal cyst. <laughs> How can I shoot, guys? My butt hurts. <laughs> I mean, wouldn't you rather go to war than have people be like, he has anal cysts? But don't you rush it, look at Rush Limbaugh and think, he probably got anal cysts. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he is an anal cyst. <laughs> So once he bought his way out of the Civil War, then everyone in Cincinnati found out about it and hated him for doing that, and he was basically ostracized out of the city. Like, they were like, yeah, you're a loser. So he goes to New York. Okay. George invented a new burglary tool called the Little Joker. What? <laughs> He's an architect. <laughs> yeah, he is. Yeah, indeed. Uh, it fit inside the combination dial of any bank safe. So... Once inside, it would record the numbers someone stopped at when they opened the safe. Wow. That's fucking brilliant. Wow. If she doesn't cheat on Wolf with this guy, I don't, I'm leaving. 
Uh, he, so he would break into a bank, put the device in the combination dial, wait a couple days, then break in again, the take, re-break. It out, take it out, and then open the open this. Wow! Vault. Using the little Joker, George robbed uh, Ocean Street Bank of a hun- of eight hundred thousand dollars. Holy in cash shit! Wow! Securities, the biggest bank robbery ever. Marm got fifty fifty percent. Mm-mm. And uh, Wolf was given um, a handful of quarters. He <laughs> for video games. Wolf, food. <laughs> the New York Herald called it "quote a masterful bank job pulled off by one very special bank robber." <laughs> That's bulletin board stuff right there. You're like, look at that. That's me. Don't tell anyone, but I did that. Marb was obsessed with social acceptance and always maintained an air of refinement. She dressed stylishly, uh, wore diamond earrings, but didn't overdo it. The only thing that she had that was over the top was her signature hat. Well, over the top hat for this time means, (laughs) dude, I don't even know what to tell you. But they were like, if you had like a fruit basket and an owl on your head, people were like, who did that? (laughs) Or people were just like, morning. Like... (laughs) It was usually adorned with dark feathers or plumes. She wore it perched on the very top of her head like a bird's nest, just resting kind of adjacent. Wolf Mandelbaum had been ill and bedridden for five years now. (laughs) (laughs) How do you know he wasn't just laying out? (laughs) I think. You know what I mean? Like, what else was there for him to do? (laughs) I feel bad, but I think you might be right that he was just like. Wolf, close that door. Don't let the light in. Wolf. He probably had tuberculosis, but he died in March 1875 at the age of 51. I don't feel bad for this guy. There goes the hero of our story. I don't think that's the last we've heard of old Wolf (laughs) Mandelbaum. Oh, it is? It is? Oh, okay. Interesting. (laughs) Thought maybe there was a... The primary cause of death was listed as encephalitis gavura, a.k.a. brain fever. The second cause was, quote, the wasting away disease. <laughs> I told you. I told you. I told he had you. that since they got married. <laughs> I told you. I told you. Not really. Jews, I know what I'm talking about. I mean, kind of. I told you. <laughs> wasting away disease. This guy's a bum. I'm telling you. You know, hardworking man get wasted as a wasting disease. Marm was devastated and mourned for over a year. She had fresh flowers placed on his grave every day. Oh, my... Well, she had the money to do it. I mean... <laughs> she probably like stole nice. it from another grave. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you won't know. <laughs> fucking 100%. That's what was happening. Yeah, yeah, 100%. yeah. Uh, so she eventually returned to her business. She now relied on her son, Julius, and a man named Herman Staud. Herman was a burly blonde German who had also recently been widowed. That's he a, was that's the only. Right yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's definitely right. getting set up like he that. He sounds stout. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was the only one outside of her immediate family who Marm confided in. Some people referred to uh, uh, Marm and Herman as a couple, but no one really knows. He was devoted to her, but most of her associates really disliked Herman and kept their distance. So her school closed down in 1876 after running for six years. Six years? Yeah. 
It was over when the son of a prominent cop managed to enroll. Marm then shut it down rather than risk getting busted. What? What? Couldn't she just get rid of him? I don't know what the <laughs> We're deal shutting is. it down. He got in, so that's that. It was also next door to the police station. <laughs> Now she wants he might to have just get... thought it was where his dad was. He's like, my dad here. Uh, in 1877, Michael Kurtz, a.k.a. Sheeny Mike, which is a, a nasty name for Jewish people. Okay. Uh, that's, that was the, those were the nicknames then. Be like, oh, it's, it's WAP Jimmy. Like, they just all went, <laughs> they went with the fucking worst thing they could think of. You guys are of. still shocked at anti-Semitism. It's crazy. You listen to this podcast, you know what it is. Every time uh, you should be like, yeah, that's about, that's about right, right there. Yeah, it's, it's been about 20 minutes. Here we go. <laughs> so Sheeny Mike robbed a dry goods store in Boston. His crew made off with 2,000 yards of silk and 26 cashmere shawls. <laughs> but he was caught, tried, and convicted, and he signed an affidavit state, stating that he had sold the goods to Marm Mandelbaum. Oh. Fucking Fuck narc. Snitch. Narc. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking do your time. Yeah, do your time. Do your time. Shut up. <laughs> he then received a pardon. What a bum. Marm was arrested for receiving stolen goods. Somehow, Sheeny Mike disappeared before the trial. Uh. And the case was dropped. You guys are really fucked up as far yeah, as that. that is... You guys, like you guys have really skewed moral yeah, I mean, sort of. That is one thing I've learned about this show. Is, you know, sometimes just here, go to the end. <laughs> you, you went on every dip of that. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> Woo! Uh, so the case is dropped, but the store owner used the affidavit that Cheney Mike had uh, signed to sue Marm for $6,000 in a civil case. That's nothing to her. Nothing. That is nothing. That's, That's nothing a lot. That's a lot for back then. That's a yeah, lot. Yeah, but she already but she stole $400,000 from a bank. Yeah, yeah. She's got shitloads. Yeah. It took three years. She kept delaying it through her lawyers, but finally Marm appeared in court. Buffalo Evening News, quote, all eyes were turned upon her as she took the stand. She's a portly woman of 50 with dark hair and dark eyes, sallow complexion, and rather high cheekbones. Jesus Christ. I mean, the... High cheekbones, though. The... Huh? Come on. It's not all bad. The amount of descriptions in the physic... Like, it's like, well, what happened in the trial? They're like, well, there she was. Chubby elbows all on the stand. That's why they had to get the cartoon, the artist for the courtroom. (laughs) They were, like, sick of reporters being like, well, it was uh, fashion week again here at the... (laughs) Her bosoms were incredible. All right, and what <laughs> happened at the trial? You've talked about the bosoms for a while. Did you get inside for the case? I don't remember. Awesome. Strong chin. Okay. I did write a 13-page story about bosoms, though. That is not what you were paid to do. It's half fiction. What are you talking about? It's half fiction. <laughs> half reality. What, what is the half fiction part about, if, or do I not want to know? <laughs> what is the half fiction part about? The bosoms rob <laughs> banks. With a dog. I think it's going to be a good story. It's not what we paid you for, you idiot. Well, they shouldn't have bosoms then. <laughs> I get confused. You're fired is an understatement. 
Well, okay then, but I have received a job offer from Bosoms Weekly. <laughs> Who's in charge of that magazine? Matt Walsh. It's my magazine. Yes, I had a feeling it might be. It's not really getting a job now, is it? <laughs> is it? I've also started drawing. <laughs> That's your face between a pair of bosoms. Yes, it is. Uh, she was dressed in a black cloth trim dress with lace and wore an immense sealskin sack and a... What is what? he what? What? Sealskin sack? What? She's... Uh, S-A-C-Q-E. She was at a company picnic before this and was taking part in the sack race <laughs> and came right to trial. Sealskin sack. I think sex. it's like a kind of jacket, but... Uh, she had a velvet hat with a beautiful bird's wing across the front. Mm. Not just the, any wing, a beautiful a... falcon wing. <laughs> she, it, the thing that tied the outfit together was she had a bird on her face. And... <laughs> mm. uh, I, you said falcon. Uh, we've been invited to fly falcons when we go to Sacramento. Sure. What? Remind me. Remind I, me. Don't I don't think forget. there'll be a problem with me reminding you any longer. No. Go fly falcons. Um, I would never remember if I didn't tell him right there. Yeah. Sacramento got a bunch of fucking rednecks, huh? You just fly falcons out there? Dude, falcons are urban animals. <laughs> yeah. Come on. You know them. <laughs> she wore a big breast pin and was partly concealed by her chin. This is the longest chin. description of an outfit. Okay. That was partly concealed by her chin. So that's a bummer. That's a... <laughs> like just so we're keeping track, that's a breast pin that's covered by her chin. That's a... That's a bummer. Uh, and she had diamond earrings in her ears. She spoke in a rather low, low voice with a marked German accent. Marm explained that she had helped Sheeny Mike as a favor to his mother who she had known for 20 years. She said she had not, uh, did not have personal dealings with uh, Mike. Her efforts were simply a gesture of kindness on behalf of his dear mother. She testified that she had never in her life received stolen property from him or anyone else. Mm, that is quite a lie. <laughs> that's, that's a humdinger. Uh, the jury The found... Bible then caught on fire. Oh, God. <laughs> that shouldn't be. The jury found for the plaintiff and awarded him everything that he'd asked for. $6,000. She was like, all right, here you go. It's actually my hat's <laughs> worth that. Go fuck yourself. She got a sealskin jacket. Yeah. She fuck about $6,000. Yeah. No, she's got Paul Manafort's wardrobe. $6,000. It's like, there you go. Her lawyers appealed, but things are changing in New York. There's a new district attorney. Oh, no. Uh... Yeah, that's a he always used, bad. Yeah. He, he used to be a part of Corrupt Tammany Hall, but now he's changed and he has turned against Mark. What a fucking loser! Yeah. <laughs> what did you find, God? Get out of here! No one wants that. <laughs> Three months into his term, in March 1884, he sent his he set his targets on Marm. He knew that Marm had people inside the police department, so he went to the Pinkertons. Yeah, we. We all, we all get it. We don't like them. 
Pinkerton agent and German immigrant Gustav Frank was assigned to the case. Well, this is a conflict. This is like a real Donnie Brasco for him. <laughs> he pretended to be a silk merchant named Stein who was looking for bargains. <laughs> I'm Stein. I'm after bargains. Silk mainly. <laughs> First, he spent several weeks with legitimate silk merchants learning the trade. The first time he entered Marm's shop, he said he wanted to buy very cheap silks. She refused to do business with him, but he kept coming back. Eventually, she decided she would know if the police were conducting a sting because of her contacts in the department, and she began doing business with him. Over a month, Gustav bought 12,000 yards of stolen silk. Pinkerton detectives traced it all back to the original owners using secret marks hidden in the silk. Oh, whoa. When he had enough evidence, Gustav uh, got arrest and search warrants, and accompanied by backup Pinkerton detectives, he entered the shop and waved the arrest warrant in Marm's face. He sounds like the first Giuliani. (laughs) He said, quote, You are caught this time, and the best thing you can do is to make a clean breast of it. What? Make a... Was it the court reporter? Sorry. Boobies. Make a clean breast means to come clean and tell the truth. Like, get it off your chest. We changed it, I guess. I wonder why. But uh, uh, Marm's response was to punch Gustav in the face. Probably a solid wallop, too. Probably like an Indiana Jones punch. Well, blood, blood poured out of his nose. Blood so she poured. so good. She got him good. Um, other, the Pinkertons had to hold her back from punching him again. Marm, Julius, and Herman were arrested. Reporters were allowed to then join authorities when they searched the warehouses. One journalist, quote, it did not seem possible that so much wealth could be assembled in one spot. There seemed to be enough clothes to supply an army. There were trunks filled with precious gems and silverware. Antique furniture was stacked against a wall. So it's like they, they found the dragon's lair. Like they... <laughs> Is this Game of Thrones? No, that, that's... No, but they don't have dragon. That's not the... Lord of the Rings. Game of Thrones has dragons? But the, those dragons and the dragons in Game of Thrones don't collect gold. I'm not gonna have a dragon fight with you right now. <laughs> All right, dragons are made up, and they're dragons. No, they're, no, they're not. No, this is more like a puff the magic dragon vibe. <laughs> this is dragons are made up until you're doing construction in London and you crack into their vault and they come flying out, and then they're not made up, are they? <laughs> Marm, <laughs> Marm, Julius, and Herman were released on bail. Okay. So the bail was posted by several citizens, including John Briggs, who posted bail for Julius using his house as collateral, and Conrad Petrie, who posted bail using his house as collateral. The, pr- the Pinkerton detectives watched Marm's home and shop 24-7. Oh, oh boy. She's out on bail. She would go in. She, when she went in her carriage, she'd circle around and look at the detectives and give them a wave. Uh-huh. And right away. Now, the day before the trial, Marm left her home, waved to the Pickertons. Oh, boy. And then they followed her. Uh-huh. And she went to her lawyer's office, Howen and Hummel, 
The Pinkertons waited outside as she exited. As she came out, she waved, and then they followed her home. But they couldn't see her face, which was covered by the plumes of her hat or maybe a bird. Yeah, but definitely... Yeah, she just had an eagle on her face. She's like, that's her. It was actually Marm's maid who was now wearing her clothing. And Wait, uh, hold the fucking phone. How are there two women this big in New York City? She found another giant German lady, I guess. <laughs> Yo, that's insane. She, she's like, I have an interesting proposition for you. <laughs> yes, I'm listening. Uh, so Marm then waited till the coast was clear and made a getaway in a waiting carriage. The next day, the court... Another carriage. Yeah. <laughs> Got to take off in that carriage. <laughs> <clears throat> the adrenaline rush is insane. <laughs> We're really Slow doing down! it. Slow down! Slow down! Yes, we don't want to attract any attention. <laughs> you've gone twenty. You've gone twenty feet. <sighs> feel like we're co- the coast is clear. <laughs> so the next day, the courtroom was packed. District attorney sat at the prosecution table with Robert Pinkerton. Howe and Hummel were at the defense table alone. Howe finally informed the court, quote, if your honor, please, my clients are not in court. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's a problem, is it not? Uh, everybody cheered in the courtroom. The district attorney jumped up, quote, I move, Your Honor, that the bonds of the defendants be forfeited and a bench warrant be issued for the defendants. Judge Barrett ordered a bail to be forfeited. But Marm had outsmarted the bail system. Hell yeah. That's why she had gone to Howe and Hummel's office the day before to sign real estate transfers. So the two properties had been put up for bail. She legally transferred them to one of her daughters... Then to the relatives of the bondsman. Wow. (laughs) And somehow this got around the law. And so now the property put up by the bondsman can no longer be attached to the bail. So no property, no bail money. So the lawyers explained that to the court. Ah, that had to feel good. Wow. uh, Howe said, quote, I believe Miss Mandelbaum acted upon Mark Twain's theory that absence of body is often better than presence of mind. (laughs) Howe was thoroughly enjoying the moment. He said he didn't know where the defendants were. Finding them was up to the district attorney's office and the illustrious Pinkerton detectives. (laughs) And then he winked at Robert Pinkerton. I'm I'm astounded at how long the sarcastic wink has been around. Astounding. The first guy to use the wink is a fuck you. They were like, that wasn't cool. Why'd he wink? She's like Thanos, dude. She's incredible. You cannot beat this woman. (laughs) Uh, Marm, Julius, and Ehrman were now on their way to Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. It is estimated she escaped with about $1 million in cash and jewelry, which is about $25 million in today's money. 
Mm-mm. As a PR move, the DA then tried to spin what happened. Quote, How? Thank God we are rid of the villain. Yeah. (laughs) I was one step ahead of her the entire time. I wanted her to go like this. All we had to give her was freedom. (laughs) Now, look at this octagon of fruit and let's move on. (laughs) What a comic. It's actually called the Froctagon. (laughs) That's fair. Pinkerton agreed, quote, it is a victory enough to have got rid of her and we ought to be thankful for the redemption. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. You're welcome, everyone. Pinkertons! <laughs> hip, hip! Okay. <laughs> so Marm, Julius, and Herman were only in Canada for a few days before they were arrested and charged with bringing stolen property across the border. Canadian authorities had gotten a tip from an unnamed source. Marm had diamonds valued at 4000 that had allegedly been stolen from a company in New York. They were confiscated. Marm tried to bribe the police, but they would not take a bribe. Goddamn Canadian, Canadian police. Yeah, God damn it. Ma- uh, that uh, would be uh, outside of the uh, Mountie Code. Uh, so, <laughs> no. What the fuck are you talking about? It's that, uh, money. I would, well, obviously, I would make a hell of a life with those diamonds, but uh, unfortunately, no. I took an oath to the moose. <laughs> No. Hamilton police requested the DA, the New York DA, send someone up to Hamilton to testify, but the DA declined. <laughs> because the crime did not qualify for extradition to the US, so he was like, fuck it, I don't care. Yeah. But uh, I, I thought that was okay now. You could just extradite for nothing. Is that not? Hmm? Keep going. The jewelry store's owner came to Hamilton and said the diamonds resembled ones that he had stolen, but he couldn't positively say yes. <laughs> well, it's such a softball for him to be like, those are mine. Yeah. They're like, we didn't think he'd be honest. He clearly got paid off. <laughs> okay, gotcha. The prosecution had no case. It was dropped. They were all released, and Marm petitioned to get her diamonds back. Wow. She petty. Mm. Yeah. Mm-mm. Marm set about recreating her New York life in Hamilton. She bought a two-story house and opened a dry goods store. Was everything wet? (laughs) Everything was just sopping wet? Her two younger children uh, moved to Hamilton. Marm joined the local synagogue and became an active member of the Hamilton community. Who the fuck (laughs) wooed at that? That infuriated me. Someone was like, Hamilton! She sent a letter to friends in New York City announcing her new store. Quote, I beg to announce to you that I have opened my new emporium in every respect, the equal of my late New York establishment. I shall be pleased to continue our former pleasant business relations, promising not to pay the promising alone to pay the best prices for the articles of which you may have for sale. Um, with my present facilities, I am able to dispose of all commodities forwarded to me with dispatch and security. I am yours faithfully, F. Mandelbaum. She'd also transferred ownership of the warehouses before fleeing, so authorities in New York couldn't confiscate any of the merchandise in them. This is just... 
I mean, how many laws got changed after this? They're like, all right, all right. But what if she were to do this? They have like a fake marm on a board. She could go there and then we're screwed again. You see what I'm saying, Dan? So that's why we shut that loophole all together. She'll figure out a goddamn way. So she, uh, so she, so she was basically keeping, taking this stuff from the warehouse and bringing it up and selling it. It's great. Um, November 18th. She just, I mean, really what happened was she moved. That's all that happened. <laughs> That's right. At the end of all of this, she just moved to Canada. Yeah. November 1885, Marm's 18-year-old daughter, Annie, went to New York to visit friends, and she came down with pneumonia and died. Marm and Julia snuck back to the city to say goodbye to Annie. Julia shaved off his beard and hair. Uh, Marm couldn't do much because she was huge. What about yeah, a big-ass hat? Yeah, sure, yeah. Uh, from the New York Times, November 12th, 1885. Quote, the thought of having her favorite child buried without taking a last look at her face touched a tender chord in the heart of the heart. I can't believe you just hiccuped right there. Wait, what? That was a hiccup, right? <laughs> yeah, there's a hiccup. That was great. That was that's, fucking awesome. That's John. That's John. <laughs> it's a long show. I mean, that's like eight <laughs> shots, you know? Is that, I can't wait for it to start. <laughs> oh, When's he going to shout the date? Uh, so, so touch, she last look at her face touched a tender chord in the heart of the hardened criminal. To gratify her wish, she took the chance of falling into the hands of police and passing her remaining days in prison. She showered kiss after kiss on the cheek of the dead girl... And her piteous mm. cries brought tears to the eyes of the persons who witnessed the scene. Several times she attempted to leave the room, but she kept returning to the coffin and finally had to be carried away. Mm. Jesus Christ. Carrier. It feels like we need a hiccup to break yeah. up the moment a little bit. A crowd gathered outside the house. They'd come to pay their respects. So this was not that low key. I mean, no. like, yeah. They were, yeah, but the, remember, the cops were always on her side. So right, the cops, right. Uh, they were Marm's old criminals, bank thieves, pickpockets. Annie was buried next to Wolf. Marm and uh, Julius did not make the trip to the cemetery, but took a train back to Canada. Wolf but- was like, I'm not dead! <laughs> <laughs> Hello? I, I know I was boring, but this is fucked! I was saying, come on, the whole time! <laughs> I got an idea for a business. But life in Canada wasn't the same to Marm. A reporter asked her how she liked living in Canada, and Marm said, quote, the name of the place is enough to sicken me. <laughs> it's such a fucking New Yorkers, like, yeah. just 100%. It's all funny and clappy until you're like Woody Allen, you've never seen a forest. <laughs> what are those things on the limbs? <laughs> Uh, she told someone else, quote, I would gladly forfeit every penny of my wealth in order to once again breathe freely the atmosphere of the 13th Ward. I just want to smell shit again. Uh, I miss that clam night soiled dead cat odor. Mm-mm. Uh, on February 26, 1894, Frederica Mandelbaum died surrounded by her family from Bright's disease, kidney uh, thing. She was 65. Her obituary, solid for back then, right? Yeah, that is pretty good life. Uh, her obituary ran in the newspapers across the country. It mentioned her criminal past, but also called her, quote, a woman of kindly disposition, broad sympathies, and large intelligence. 
Those are all shots. That's yeah. a little shot. They took a little shot If you know Marm like right. we know Marm, they those are all shots. The obituary yeah, guy was like, I'm also writing a screenplay, and uh, <laughs> you can see the hint of the humor I put in them. <laughs> the New York Times said, quote, her success was in a great measure due to her friendship for and her loyalty to the thieves with whom she did business. She never betrayed her clients, and when they got into trouble, she pro- uh, procured bail for them and befriended them to the extent of her power. Her body was returned to New York City to be buried alongside her husband and daughter. A huge crowd of mourners turned out for her funeral. Following Marm's service, several of the mourners reported to police that their pockets had been picked. (laughs) (laughs) For Marm! They did it for Marm! Uh, it is believed yeah. that $10 million worth just of Just crying, like, I oh, know, and then the other thing, I mean, she's not, she won't be the same. They're just uh, stealing from each other. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know, goodbye. Where's my handkerchief? You motherfucker, give oh, me that. Sorry. Uh, uh. Uh, it's believed $10 million uh, worth of goods passed through her uh, stolen goods. Holy shit. Mara Mandelbaum. More of those. More of those. One of the great story. We got a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. All right. So I'm going to do a little thing that you guys hate. That part of the show's over. (laughs) What a legend, though. Um, So uh, there's an author named David Wallace Wells. And uh, he's friends with a climate scientist who is working with the New York City uh, on how to deal with climate change. And they had a conversation, and he said, uh, he said that we're going to start building a seawall to save New York. And the seawall is going to take 30 years to build. 30 union years. That's like 70 real years. So that, and he said, well, what does that mean? He goes, that means that Howard Beach is gone. Large parts of Queens are gone. And southern Brooklyn is gone. Those places will not have a future. They will not be part of New York City. People will not hand their their family homes down to their children. They will stop doing repairs on subways. They will stop doing repairs on infrastructure. They will let, they already have, they will let that part of the city die. And that's climate change. And it's fucking happening now. And your house is on fire. And it's time to do something. Uh, So you guys know our group, Planet Change 10. We have finally gotten the incorporation papers that took six months to get. We will be uh, putting up the site hopefully in the next couple of weeks. So you guys can start grouping up. And, uh, and we're also working with some other people um, to make stuff that's going to be pretty powerful, I think. Um, yeah. We've gotten some of the big Hollywood fancies on board. Yeah. Yeah. All right. 
I don't know Good. what else can I say. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to make a joke before you nope. end, or just? No, I want it to. I want it to end weird. Yeah. Well, you certainly have. Thank you guys for coming so much. Give it up Thank for Akash Singh. Thank you guys. We appreciate it. Thank you. Appreciate it. Hey there, people listening to The Dollop. Uh, this is Gareth. Yes, the same guy. I Listen, I have a new podcast called We're Here to Help that I'm doing with my friend Jake Johnson. It's basically a call and advice show where we don't say that we're professionals because we aren't, but we try to help people with problems that are important to them. You can listen to it wherever you listen to podcasts, and it is out right now. So go listen to We're Here to Help with Jake and Gareth. We're here to help with Gareth and Jake. I don't remember how we did it, but either way, fun half hour comes out Tuesday, August 22nd, and the episodes will be out every Tuesday and Friday. We're here to help. Oh, hey there, everybody. It's Gareth, you know, from this uh, this podcast. Uh, listen, I've got some stand-up shows. I'm inviting the Garmy, the Gareth Army, to join me for. I will be in Fort Collins, Colorado, August 18th and August 19th. I will be in Minneapolis, Minnesota, August 24th through August 26th at Acme. I will be going to the UK in September. Please join me. I will be in Glasgow, September 13th, London, September 15th, Dublin, September 17th, and September 19th, Manchester, Birmingham, September 20th, Bristol, September 22nd, and Cardiff, September 24th. And then in November, I'll be in Australia. November 10th, almost sold out, I think. I'll be in Melbourne, Australia. Then I will be in Northbridge, Australia on November 15th. Adelaide, November 16th. Canberra, November 17th. Brisbane, November 18th. And then I will be in uh, Sydney on November 24th. Go to GarethReynolds.com for tickets. Garmy, let's get at it after it. Let's see you there.